Hear the word of God from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, and Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find these readings on pages 642 and 957 in the Pew Bible. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the old covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever is in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with a new self, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator." In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The word of God for the people of God. So I debated whether to start the sermon by inviting you all to turn to the person next to you and tell them what your New Year's resolution was for this year, simply so that I could see the look on your face that you would give me. Because after all, New Year's resolutions, by their very nature, are personal and in some ways private, and they are an admission to ourselves that we're not perfect, right? The reason you make a resolution is because you realize that you are not quite yet what you could be or should be. In fact, I think the, the only worst question I could have had you turn to your neighbor to answer is how you did on your resolution from 2017. The reality is, even John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, believed in resolutions. 
He believed that it was important to set goals for yourself, not just in the superficial things, the external things like eating better and exercising more and spending less money and losing weight, but in the most important stuff of all, one's spiritual life, one's spiritual condition. He believed that it was important to set goals for yourself, to 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 discern, to determine, and ultimately to resolve, to do better in one's walk with Jesus. In fact, he believed this so deeply that one of the things he invited all followers of Jesus, all people called Methodist, to do was to begin each year with a ritualized observance that we now call covenant renewal. The Wesley Covenant Renewal Service is a hallmark of the people called Methodist. And on the first day of every year, or in this case, the first Sunday of the year, Methodists follow a ritual that Wesley himself prescribed. Back in the day, he wrote a a pamphlet, in fact, an 18-page brochure that he simply called Directions for Renewing One's Covenant with God. And it was filled with all sorts of directions on how to have a covenant service and the steps one must follow for renewing one's commitment to God. In fact, many of the words in that brochure are embedded into this morning's service. We, We shared some of it in the call to worship. We'll use some of it in the prayer of confession, and we will, of course, recite it in the forms of prayers, including the famous Wesley Covenant Prayer. But the one instruction, the one little bit of direction that I find most compelling today is one that talked about resolutions. Listen, listen for these words. Wesley said, resolve to be faithful. Having engaged your hearts, opened your mouths, and subscribed with your hands to the Lord, resolve in His strength never to go back. You see, for John Wesley, he believed that there were one of two directions that a Christian could go in their daily walk with Jesus. They could either go forward or backward. They would either take their next step towards spiritual maturity and renewed commitment to Jesus and to grow deeper in their commitment, or they would go backward. And for Wesley, he believed there should be only one option for every follower of Jesus, forward, drive. He believed there should never be a reverse gear for the Christian. Jesus believed the same thing, by the way. He didn't use words like forward or backward. Instead, Jesus painted the dichotomy using two different kinds of paths. Maybe you know this passage in the Gospels where he said there's two paths that a person can travel. One path is wide. It's popular. It's comfortable. But it's filled with temptations. It is plagued with potholes. There are all sorts of forces that if you take this path would make you deviate from the way and will of God. That's one path, the wide path. But Jesus said the road that we had to travel was the narrow one, the one that was less comfortable, much less popular, fraught with risk. But the payoff was that you would be right in line, in lockstep, in perfect cadence with the path, the way, and the will of God. Wesley would ask the question, are you going to go forward or are you going to go backward? 
Jesus would say, are you going to follow the wide path or are you going to follow the narrow one? Even Paul himself, even in the scripture reading that Jennifer just read for us from the book of Colossians, painted that same dichotomy, not with wide and narrow paths, not with forward and reverse, but with two lists, two columns, a kind of before and after either or of choices of lifestyle that we could follow. Right there in Colossians 3, and the first list from verses 5 to 9 is this. If you take a look at the graphic, you'll see these two different lists. I'm going to hold that graphic up for just a second. Look at these two different kinds of lives that Paul says we could live. On the left-hand side, promiscuity, impurity, evil desire, greed, anger, slander, abusive language, lying. And I would, I would wager a guess that there's not a single person here in the sanctuary this morning or watching online that isn't guilty of at least one of those items on the list, more than likely more than one. In fact, it would have been a great question for me to have you turn to your neighbor and say, which one of these on the left-hand side am I dealing with right now? The reality is we're all dealing with them. In fact, there's a lot more that could be on this list. Paul just gave us some of the, the highlights of the tough potholes and traps that we face in our lives. But the good news is, Paul said, that doesn't have to be that way. That left-hand list may have come from verses 5 to 9, but in verses 12 to 14, this is the narrow path. This is the drive forward. This These are the hallmarks of the spiritual life, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and love. The items on that list are all possible for you. You are free and empowered to exercise everything on that list. And just imagine, if you were one step closer in 2018 to embodying the fullness of the list on the right-hand side, what better kind of life can you live? And if all of us were doing that, what a better world would we live in? That's what Wesley would invite us to imagine. At the start of 2018, in this covenant renewal service, which kind of life are you going to choose to live by the power of God? He said, resolve in his strength to never go back. And it takes constant attention and constant resolve. I'll never forget the day that my older daughter, Grace, got her driver's license. She was only 14. That's how old you needed to be to get your learner's permit in Iowa. She was so excited to get that driver's license because of what it symbolized to her. It was for her a threshold to pass through in her ongoing journey into maturity one more step toward adulthood, she was so excited to get that driver's license. When you think about it, a driver's license is itself a kind of covenant. It's a special relationship that an individual enters into with, in this case, the state, the government. It's a blessing. It's a privilege that the state grants you, but it's not just a blessing. It is a blessing and a privilege that comes with responsibility. It's not enough just to get your driver's license. It's not enough to just be able to drive. From that moment on, 
you have to resolve to drive well, right? Well, Grace spent several weeks studying for her test. And then the day came on her 14th birthday when we went over to the Cherokee County Courthouse after school. She aced the test, as I expected she would. And when she was posing for the photograph for her license, she was beaming from ear to ear. And as we were walking out of the courthouse, she said to me, So, Dad, can you teach me how to drive now? Sure, I said. So we hopped in the car and I drove her to a a large parking lot, a a large parking lot, (laughs) not far from the Cherokee County Courthouse. We switched seats. I showed her how to turn on the car. She did okay. Showed her how to work the gear shifter. This is park, this is... Reverse, neutral, drive. She did just fine. In fact, for a while, she was making perfect loops within the parking lot. Didn't hit a single thing in that parking lot. Worked up the courage to to even angle park, right between the yellow lines. Perfect stop. She pulled out, went to the next angle parking spot. We even worked up the courage in that first tutorial to leave the parking lot and venture out into public She didn't hit a single person, (laughs) avoided every single car, stopped at the red lights, waited the requisite amount of time at the stop sign. She was driving great for the first 90 minutes. After 90 minutes, I said to her, Grace, you're doing great. I am so proud of you. She was still smiling from ear to ear. I said, let's go home. I'll fix us some supper. We can celebrate. She said, great. On the way home. We passed by another parking lot, and she said, Hey, Dad, could I try to park one more time? I said, Sure. She had a perfect angle into that spot, negotiated the car right between those yellow lines, and then just for a moment, just for a fraction of a second, in a single moment in time, Her attention drifted. Her attentiveness slipped. And she forgot the difference between her brake and her gas pedal. The car lurched over the parking stop, hopped right onto the median in front of us, and slammed right into the lamppost where the car finally stopped. grace her face turned white and she turned to me I was speechless (laughs) it is in those moments where you are defined as a parent and I did everything I could to control myself and say the only words that came to mind in that moment I think I'll drive home now. (laughs) And all the while containing myself, all I kept thinking is, well, McGray, maybe you can turn this into a sermon illustration someday. (laughs) So thanks, Grace. 
Wesley believed, John Wesley believed, that all it takes is a fraction of a moment to lose your resolve. One little slip of attentiveness to start going backward rather than forward in your life. That's all it takes. Temptations and potholes and traps are all around us. And at any moment, we could get veered off from that narrow path into the wide one, to to drift from the right-hand list from Colossians 3 into the left-handed one. And so Wesley believed that the task of being faithful to God was not something that you just needed to do at the start of every year and not something that you just needed to do on Sundays at the start of every week, but at the start of every day, daily, even moment by moment, resolving to go forward and not backward. In fact, if you take a look at the word resolution, if you take a look at the word resolve, and look at the Latin root for that word, you find something very interesting, which I actually found surprising when I first discovered this. The Latin root for resolve is solvere, which literally means to loosen. And when you add the two words, to the two letters R-E to solvere, resolve, that means to dissolve, to melt, to disintegrate. In other words, to resolve to do something means to melt away, to dissolve every single force that would pull you backward, that would inhibit you from moving forward with determination and with resolve. It means choosing to not go backward, only to go forward. And that is what Wesley believed was to be the case for each and every one of us, each and every day. And we needed to start the year being clear about our commitment to God. But you know what? Here is the deal. Here is the big difference between resolution keeping and covenant keeping. See, to make a resolution, to keep a resolution, depends entirely on your own strength. It depends entirely on your will, on your resolve. You'll either do it or you won't. It's up to you. That's what it means to keep a resolution. But a covenant, that very special relationship we have with God, did not start with us. It is initiated by God. It is a gift and a privilege from God. It is something that we could not earn and we do not deserve, and it is based entirely on the love that God has for you. That's the difference. Because at the start of this new year, let this one message ring clear in your minds as you try to do better in your life. Remember how God sees you. Because it's easy for you, for me, for all of us, to look in the mirror every single day and realize how frail, mistaken, and accident-prone we are. It's easy for us to think of ourselves as unworthy, to be ashamed of our past, to only think about those times that we've mixed up our gas and our brake and all of those lamp posts that we have hit in our lives time and time again. But when God sees you, God only sees you with love. God sees you as God's very own child. God sees you not for everything wrong that you have done, but for who you really are, 
as God's child, and God sees you for the way you've been created to be. God sees all of your potential. God sees all of the impact that you can make in your own life and in your family and in the world. God sees kingdom-sized potential in you. And that, friends, is a gift, the gift of covenant. And with that privilege comes not only the responsibility to move forward and to take the next step in your spiritual life, but the power to do so. You can't do it on your own. But as Wesley said, you can resolve in his strength, not your own, to never go back. That's the entire point of this morning. And my hope is that by the time this service is over, and by the time you walk out of this sanctuary today or turn off the website if you're watching online, that you will have resolved for yourself this morning to renew your commitment to God. In fact, we're going to give you lots of different ways that you might choose to do that today. Some of these next steps are right here as part of our worship service before we're done. You might choose to renew your commitment to God using the prayer of confession that we're going to offer together before communion. The very words of Wesley himself, including a moment of silent prayer and confession for you to come clean and to resolve your commitment to God. You might choose to read the prayer that is listed in your bulletin this morning, a prayer of reflection that again contains the words of Wesley and also modernized by some folks in our congregation that you can take with you but also pray this morning as you're preparing for communion. Or you might choose in the act of communion itself to spend some time renewing your commitment to God. This is, after all, the first Sunday of the month where we always observe communion. But today, we're going to do it a little differently. Rather than you just coming up and receiving communion and going back to your seat, we have opened up the altar rail this morning, created more space than usual for you to come and, first of all, either kneel or stand here at the rail. And it's here at the rail where you will open up your hands just like this and you will receive communion. And you can stay at this rail as long as you wish, to be in prayer as long as you need to, to say whatever is on your heart to renew your commitment to God. And of course, at the end of this sermon, we'll recite the words of the covenant prayer. And at the end of the service, we'll recite a modern version of the Wesley covenant prayer that I've grown to love, all of which is contained on that insert that you can take home and make part of your daily life. But that's just in this service. Those next steps are just this morning. I want to give you a few ways that you might choose to take the next step of your faith even beyond today. And my guess is that there's at least one of these options that the Spirit is calling you to take after today. The first way is to be involved in a small group. You may have heard in the announcements that we are offering a, a whole new full slate of small group opportunities for you to grow in your faith. And if you're not part of a small group now, this might be the way for you to surround yourself with fellow sojourners who can help you take the next step in your journey. 
You can just write small group on your connection card or go online to register or visit Nikki Taylor in the courtyard after the service and sign up for a small group. One of those small groups has your name on it, and it's an invitation for you to be a part of it. Or you might simply pick one of these up as you leave today. Some of you know what this is. It's a daily scripture reading bookmark. They're available in the narthex on the racks as you leave today. This has got to be the simplest way for you to grow in your faith. Many of you are already doing this. It's just a bookmark that contains a scripture reference for every single day throughout all of these next several weeks together. Each scripture reading invites you to read the passage and reflect on it and spend some quiet time with God and directs you toward the theme for the upcoming Sunday so that all of us are reading the same scriptures together. It takes very little time, but what an impact just a few minutes with God in the Bible will do for you. The last thing I want to share with you is next Sunday. It's a very important Sunday in the Christian year. It is the second of our two-part series called Begin, and it's all based on baptism. Next Sunday, when you come to worship, we'll have an invitation for us to come forward, just as we do on the second Sunday of every year, to touch the waters of baptism and remember God's love for us. But it could be that right now you're in one of two groups. The first group may be that some of you have never been baptized. And maybe you think that because you weren't baptized as a baby, you're a little embarrassed to admit that in public and be baptized as an adult. I know there are a number of adults within this community who've never been baptized. And it could be that next Sunday could be your invitation, your gateway to experiencing the depth of the spiritual life the way God has called you. And so you might simply write the word baptism on your connection card, B-A-P-T-I-S-M. And one of the pastors will contact you to talk to you about what baptism might mean in your life. Or it could be you're in the second group, a second group of people who have been baptized. But maybe your baptism was such a long time ago, maybe when you were a child, that you've never really fully understood what baptism means for you and the depth of that significance for your life and how it could transform your life when you remember what baptism really means. Again, you might simply write the word baptism on your connection card and one of us will contact you. Or better yet, if you're in one of those two groups, we invite you this Wednesday, this Wednesday night to a very special one-hour event. It's our baptism class that's specially designed for any of you who want to learn more about baptism, whether you've been baptized before. 6.30 in the chapel, in the chapel lobby, and you can learn about it so that next Sunday you could either be baptized for the first time or you could remember what that baptism has meant in your life and reaffirm your baptism so that all of us can come next Sunday and remember with vividness and great joy God's love for each and every one of us. I don't know what your next step needs to be. All I know is that all of us have one to take, including me, because none of us are perfect. None of us fully represent that list on the right-hand side of Paul's passage. And this is our time to resolve, to determine, to decide, 
to go forward and not backward. One of the great ways that Wesley called the people to resolve and to determine that is to follow the words of a very special prayer that he wrote. We call it now the Wesley Covenant Prayer, and and we're going to recite the traditional words to that right now. And then we'll end the service with a more modern version. But as we prepare for communion this morning and offer ourselves to God, I invite us to refer either to the insert in front of you or on the screen. And I invite us to stand together as we recite the words of the Wesley Covenant Prayer together. Let us pray. I am no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven.